what one individual is a part of. And that's why I love the idea of like relationship renegades. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even as one person, it's like we're a web, like we're connected to so many things. So ladies and gentlemen, you are joining us on a Saturday because this is a bonus episode. I told you last week that there are some changes coming and what you just heard is part of that bonus conversation I was having with my dear friend and now co-host Mia Terrazis. Mia, what up? What up? Yay! Whoop whoop! So you guys may remember Mia from, uh, what is this, a few episodes back. Um, And if you do not remember her, you definitely want to go and check out her episode. Um, That's all I'm going to say. I I tend to say too much, but I'm not going to. So listen to this and then go back and listen to her episode. Do you remember the title of your episode, Mia? Of course. Um, I know it. I know it. (laughs) It is after the love is gone. Yeah. And it's a good one. It's a good one. That's also the title of a Brian McKnight song and an earth, wind and fire song for all of you. Oldies and goodies out there. All right. So this is just a snippet, um, just about communities and, the relationships that exist between communities, inter-communities, intra-communities. How do we want to call that, Mia? All of the above. The yeah. web of communities. A web is a good way to, to, to phrase it. And, and you know what's ironic? I will say ironic. I have a habit of saying funny, but what's ironic is that when situations like this happen, so... Um, like with all of this racial tension and racial division, it's easy to think that everyone fits into one neat little category, right? Mm-hmm. But that's rarely the case. Oh, true. That's rarely the case. Um, a lot of these police officers live in certain communities and move amongst certain communities. Yeah, that's a great point. I wonder what's happening to some of their relationships within and around some of these communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been reading some things about that too. Yeah, um, yeah I, I was reading um, about a, a black male that is also a cop and also was reading um, something about a daughter of, I'm not sure if he was a police chief or just a police officer, but her opinion on it, which I thought was really interesting and her, you know, definitely with the the black officer, there was some serious conflict between his, you know, his, his duty, his badge and his community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, I can't even begin to think of what that, looks like for him or people like him um and their mental health that mental turmoil that they have um 
and also the other the other article I was reading um, with the young girl who they they are both white um, and the dad is the police chief. She was saying that you know it was a choice for him to do this job and it was a choice for him to put on um, you know his suit and armor and all of that and and kind of put himself I guess in in danger's way that it was a choice that's his job and how privileged it was for him to be able to take that off get out of harm's way you know and then not have to worry about coming home to that too and i thought that that was a really powerful Mm -hmm. yes that was super powerful and a, a young you know a younger girl as well so wow of course i shared that (laughs) <laughs> nice nice on your social media oh yeah awesome awesome mm-hmm. yeah and, and the other thing that i've encountered uh recently you know is so i think about my community i think about the relationships that i have and i often think about what the people i'm in relationship with mm-hmm. like what they think about me when stuff like this happens Oh, that is excellent. You know, do they, do they think about me when things like that happen? I mean, I have my neighbors. The majority of my neighbors are white. Mm-hmm. And I get along with all my neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, they know my kids. We play in the cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. But I wonder when the riots are happening, when they're seeing on the news, you know, all these people in the streets and yet another cop killed another black man. Yeah. What does that do to them when I come out of my house or when I pull up in my driveway or when I'm just kind of cutting my lawn, you know, does that affect their perception of me? Does that change the relationship that we had or have Mm -hmm. when something like this happens? Right. That's a really good point. And um, I don't know. I don't know an answer for that. I mean, I like, I'd like to think that it does, but I also know the depth of, I don't know the full depth, but I know the depth of how racism has been taught in our, in our community. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I want to say that when they see you, they, you know, think, wow, you know, they think positively, but I wonder too, is there a hint of, well, are they going to turn on us too? Yeah. See, I think you were being hopeful in your first comment, right? And and that's you being you. So (laughs) I'm not going to hold that against you, but I actually would assume that they do get a little worried. Yeah. Yeah. I, I assume they get worried because, you know, is, is, Jameson, is Dr. Mercier going to change on us? Mm-hmm. Is he going to become now one of them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even if I did go join them, could I still not be mm-hmm. a good neighbor? Right. I think it, there's some things coming up for sure. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure. I mean, even me, as I'm talking about this, I'm sitting here like, mm-hmm. I don't want to look at my neighbors differently. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to look at them differently, but just questions. You know what I mean? Yeah, this has definitely brought up a lot of a lot of things. You know, for me personally, but I can tell um, in social media, um, it's been bringing a lot of stuff up for a lot of people. Oh yeah. Or like, um, or what I I was talking to you about. I I thought that I knew a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the more information that I was receiving, but also more information that I was um, researching, I was like, holy moly, like this is, um, this is really like so crazy to me. Like I thought I knew, but I didn't know anything. Right. And you know what? That reminds me of a great quote I heard from, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. You know who that is? No. He's the astrophysicist, the black astrophysicist. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for anyone listening who's not familiar with who that is, look him up. Look him up. Very intelligent guy. And, and he does some great videos on YouTube. Um, he said one of the most dangerous things, and, and I know I'm totally flubbing up the quote, is most people have enough information to think that they're right mm. when they're totally wrong. Well, that's good. That is a dangerous thing. Mm. To have enough information to believe that you're right, but not enough to know you're wrong or something like that. I like that. I like that. Every community that I'm a part of, there's there's something that I, there's a lot of some things I didn't know. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And I think that can be, especially with the times that we have right now, it can be particularly challenging to, um, one, for people to like reconcile with um, that we have an undertone of like racism in our, in our, <clears throat> the foundation of our world. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just have been thinking a lot. And then I, I got off topic because then something else, I got reminded of something else. And I was reading about disaster fatigue. Have you heard of that? Disaster fatigue? I, I, I might have. Um, I did a few years back, actually more now, Mm -hmm. uh, the critical incident training. Mm -hmm. So for like crisis responders. Yeah. And I believe you're alluding to something involved in that, but it may not, it may be totally unrelated. I don't know. No, it is. It's basically when you're so flooded with information and, and flooded with like, um, just basically information about the dis- like a disaster that's happening, like it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You start to become um, numb to it, um, to the disaster. And I think that that was a really important point that I was reading about, and it's not talked about because for, I don't know why, but I think right now, like our everybody's brains are like flooded with information. And I, I think it's, I think I wish people would take like just a pause for a second so that we don't lose 
this traction and people aren't like being passive about it because they're tired of hearing it. Right, right. You become, you become huh? desensitized to it. Yeah, exactly. And there is a such thing as disaster fatigue and, and um, I don't know if people are, I mean, I don't think people are really talking much about it, but <clears throat> it was an important <clears throat> thing that I thought of when like we're talking about people's human rights mm -hmm. um, and not wanting to be so inundated with the in, with information, it becomes too overwhelming and then it becomes people just shut down. Yeah, especially <laughs> if it's information that you didn't go looking for. Yeah. You know, it's one thing if I'm shopping for, I don't know, a truck or something. And so I know I'm looking for a truck. And so some of what comes my way will be relevant. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not looking for a truck or if I'm not researching racism or if I don't, if I don't care about black people and racism, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really annoyed that every time I turn the corner, every time I turn on the TV, every time I turn on the radio, Every Facebook post, every social media, anything, yeah, is throwing that at me. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's uh, it's and yeah, it's it's everywhere. And I I wish there was some information about that too, to um, for people to be mindful that like it's okay, like in the midst of all of this, to take like a mini pause so that you can continue to fight this fight that's not going away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you know now, so we're talking about people who perhaps may now be new to the struggle or yes. a new level of awareness. Yes. What the hell does it do to people who've been in this for 20, 30, 40 yeah. years? Yeah. Those people are just, they either have a special type of tolerance or they are really, really feeling the weight. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder how much of it, like, you know, is a learned tolerance, like an unfair learned tolerance. Like, I have to be complacent with this just to survive. Well, I can tell you this. Mm -hmm. That is part of the Black existence. Yeah. The struggle is, is, is you know, synonymous with being Black. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, in, and for many people either overcoming the struggle or enduring the struggle is a badge of honor within a black community. Yeah. Because it's not going anywhere. And so the idea is don't let that shit break you. Yeah. I think this has just brought a whole new level of understanding for me and awareness, like you were talking about before, not only for the black community, but you know, my, my community as well. Mm -hmm. My black community. Mm -hmm. And I come from, you know, my family come is from migrant farm workers. And you, you, we all know how that's received here. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I am, you know, a little bit of darker skin color and my dad too. And my dad got profiled. He gets stopped. He gets, you know, all of, all of those things. But I, I never really internalized it. Um, not sure why, but never internalized it. And, um, that's what I've been exploring too. But not only that, but like I was telling you before, like the communities, you know, that we're a part of. So for mm -hmm. instance, 
okay, not only am I in the Latin community, um, but I'm also, like, I also grew up with an Italian mom. Okay. So I have that community. Um, I also think about, you know, the community that I work with, you know, what I work in a school. Um, and also I'm, I provide mental health services to people. And that is just a whole nother level of awareness. Mm-hmm. Let, let me add this, right? So you're in all of these communities and you move amongst them. Yeah. So there's being in the community and then there's also how deeply involved or entrenched or ingrained in that community are we? Yes, mm-hmm. that's yeah. so true. Right, so there's different levels, right? So yes, you can be identified or, identi- or self-identified mm-hmm. and then... Are you engaging and interacting with this community, or are, do you just identify as part of that community? Right, that's true. And even when you do, I, you know, even if you have a spectrum of participation in that particular community, um, people perceive that as something. Oh yeah, oh yeah. People make meaning out of all yeah. of it. But you know what? I was thinking about mental health. Um, is, you know, I, I am a mental health advocate and, and of course, and one of the things I, I always try to read more about is like access to resources. Like it's one thing to have it there, but another one to actually bridge the gap between the resource and the access to it. And I was thinking, I've been reading a lot too about racism in mental health mm-hmm. and that I just... I mean, that stuff, that, that hit me, you know, and I think about it too. Like, I I think I posted something that therapists can be racist too. And and also how are, you know, how are, you know, white therapists or even Mexican therapists, brown therapists, like actually um, helping, you know, people of color. You know, um, I read this insane statistic yesterday at, for NASW. 70% of NASW members are white. Yeah, yeah. I mean, full disclosure, uh-huh. you know, when you get out of school and you date, I join NASW, blah, blah, blah. So I was a member. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you just over the years of being a member, just feeling like, they ain't doing nothing for me. Yeah. It's too yeah. homogenous. It, you know, and my dad said it, and my dad and I talk a lot too, and he was, I was like, this is so disturbing to me, dad. Like, NASW hasn't said a statement yet. Mm-hmm. Like, that is in our code of ethics. Like, how are you not talking about this? Um, I can't even remember when I first started seeing something, but I sent the text to my dad, and I was like, they finally said something. Like that to me is, and that's (laughs) disgusting. So, well, listen, guys, if you're listening to this, then you are a fan of the Couples Council. And what we are doing is slowly breaking you in on the rebrand 
as we merge into relationship renegade because it isn't only about couples it isn't only about husbands and wives yes it is about them but not only them right and so we're branching out we're expanding the conversations to look at the many relationships that we are a part of i mean hell you could be married and perhaps you are a biracial couple mm -hmm. if you yeah. are if you are a young biracial couple and when i say young i don't necessarily mean young age although that could be a factor but you may be a new biracial couple i know for a fact that you're having to address certain things within your relationship that perhaps you did not anticipate so the idea here is to talk all things relationship. This has been the first little snippet of Relationship Renegade. Yay, in the books. It's in the books, guys. It's done. So stay here. We are slowly transitioning over. You will get another regularly scheduled episode of the Couples Council. As a matter of fact, we are profiling fathers, specifically Black fathers. We dug deep in the archives, the Mercier Wellness archives, and we have some stuff that you will completely enjoy. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're commenting. You come back on Wednesday. You get that. And then you come back on Saturday for more conversations between Mia and myself. Mia, we're going to have to figure out a way to sign off because I'm just about to say bye. And that sounds kind of lame. Yeah. So. Like we should have like a catchphrase or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, if you guys have an idea for a catchphrase, we're all open. Um, but uh, aside from that, that's it. Y'all come back next time. Bring a friend. Bring a friend.